We all talk about it, but think about it. Like, are you doing things that are going to get somebody to actually want to spend time learning about you? You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, so in this episode, you'll be hearing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from past conferences. Here we go. And I have absolutely loved my transition to the dark side of marketing, but it is something that we see more and more of, and I'm sure many of you do in your organization. Um, you know, I do have an engineering and a technology background, but absolutely love and I'm fascinated by what's happening in modern marketing today, uh, you know, from both the art and the science. And it's something that I know I try to practice, and I'm sure many of you do, is how do you really optimize that blend of art and science to create amazing results that really drive business. And, and that's really what drives our team. That's how we think about what we do every day in a marketing organization. And it's something that actually relates really well to this topic of how do you do account-based marketing effectively in a way that you're actually building relationships and building interest and demand and people who want to do business with your company as opposed to pissing people off and finding new ways to spam them and getting cease and desist orders to leave their company alone, which yes, we got one and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. And that is part of what inspired me to do this topic because uh, again, like many of you as a marketer, I take so much pride in our brand and the experience we create for our audiences, both pre-sales and post-sales. And um, you know what we found in the early days as we started to do account-based marketing was uh, kind of what I alluded to that ultimately I felt like it was just a new way of, of hitting people with the same message and it, it really fell flat and it didn't feel good as a brand that we weren't getting the response we were looking for. And that's when we really started to think about, like, how do we do this in a way that people want to engage with us? It's the same as any other marketing we all do, right? It's like, how are you building interest and demand in your brand? And to the point where people like, genuinely just want to do business with you as a company. And so that's something I want to try to inspire you with here today and, and some things that we've done and that we've seen um, and talk a bit about our journey on that path. And, and hopefully you'll get some interesting ideas. I realized I uh, left my clicker. Oh, who knows where it is now? Oh, good. I thought it was going to be one of those in the washroom moments and I'd be talking to you guys. Okay, carry on. Okay, great. So I'll talk a little bit about us as a business so you have the context for, for what I'm going to talk about here. As Kat mentioned, we are a video marketing platform for businesses. So I'm here with multiple hats. I'm an ABM practitioner. I love this topic. Uh, I'm here as a sponsor of the event because, again, we do play a part in the ecosystem. And I am a Sangram Vajri fanboy. So those are the three reasons why I am here. We are a rapidly growing B2B company. So we're about 150 employees. We're you know, trying to grow every day, and ABM is a part of our journey to doing that. Um, we have an amazing marketing team. We think about ourselves as a revenue marketing organization. We're tied very closely to sales, and we do have a great sales team that aligns with us. And that is an important part of all of this. And some of the results we're seeing are in part due to how we've aligned marketing and sales, and we all know that's an important part of ABM and what we do. So how we got started back a few years ago, um, way, way back, about two and a half years ago in 2013, is when we started dabbling in more focused approach to account-based marketing. And marketing years are like dog years, right? So that was like 20 years ago. And I did not have long hair like that, just for the record. So back a few years ago is when we really started with what many of you are doing, I'm sure as well, inbound marketing activities, a lot of great content marketing, content syndication, driving inbound audiences of people who are interested in the topics we were looking at, list buying, email marketing, all the usual things that you would do to build a lot of demand at the top end of the funnel, which we felt was genuine demand. And you know, this went really, really well 
for the first couple of years for our business. Um, I mean, we're older than that, but it was these really these last two years we really focused on this lead and end demand generation. And what we found, we were generating a great volume of leads at the top of the funnel and marketing qualified leads, people who were, seemed to be showing interest in what we were doing. And we thought things were going super, super well until we started to really look and dig into the data. We realized we were generating thousands and thousands of marketing qualified leads every month with a relatively small sales team. We thought, it's amazing, we're killing it. And we asked other people and they're like, no, we're not even close to that. And when we really started to dig into it, we realized that we were actually causing in some cases more problems than solutions we were solving because we were creating a lot of inefficiency in our organization. We actually had really, really low conversion rates. You know, I'm not proud to say it, but it's the truth, right? And we had more than 60% of our leads were being rejected by sales. So while well, those thousands of leads generated, less than 40% were being accepted into the sales organization. And of course, we had all the right tools to be able to start to analyze that and look at what was going on. And the number one reason for rejection, and I'm, I'm not sure if others like you see this, but it was company not in target market, right? So we thankfully have a sales team that does flag as they reject leads or lose deals and so on. Um, what was the reason? And the number one reason by large majority was company not in target market. And so we started to look at that and go, well, what's, you know, there's a number of things that we can start to do to change our scoring models to make sure we're prioritizing companies that they think are a fit for us. We were focusing on like mid-market and enterprise. We were seeing a lot of small businesses being rejected, people with Gmail accounts, all that kind of stuff. And so we dug into it and, and you know, part of it was how do we score and prioritize our leads? But then part of it was thinking about how do we shift this mindset as we're all here talking about, right, of bringing a bunch of leads into the funnel of people we just don't know if they're the right potential buyers to focusing in on accounts that we know our sales team is going to want to go after. And that was really our kind of wake-up call to start thinking about this account-based approach as an augment to the inbound activities and the broader lead generation that we were doing. So as we started down this journey, a lot of things that Jeff Soriano spoke to this morning resonated with me and are some things that I'll repeat in this session because I think they're very important topics and ideas. And the first thing as we went down our ABM path, we started to look at how do we identify who those key accounts are. And I'm sure some of you have done this today, maybe some of you haven't yet, but really thinking about who are those target accounts and are they 50, 100, 500, 1,000? The size of the pool is up to you, but you need to be methodical about who you're going to approach. And so in our case, again, linking back to what uh, Jeff said this morning, you know, we did talk to our sales team, but what was important was we didn't just use our sales team, I'll talk about this a bit later, as the only data point for who we should be focused on targeting. I'll give some context in a bit as to why this wasn't as successful as I thought it might be. But we talked to our sales team, we got their list of, yeah, here's who I'm targeting, here's who I think are in this region as our top accounts and so on. We talked to our marketing organization, obviously internally, and you know, built out what we felt were our ideal prospect characteristics. But we also looked at the data, and we did a lot of data mining and data analysis to look at profiles of companies who were more likely, or leads that were more likely to convert through the funnel. And we landed on a bunch of great firmographic data about organizations that we started to use to score companies. How many people in here are doing company-level or account-level scoring as a way to rank and prioritize accounts? A lot of people are. That's great. Okay. But a lot of people are not. And this was something that was really important for our team. We've always done lead scoring at an individual level. But adding in company scoring became a big deal for us. And this helped us to filter out those top of funnel leads that weren't likely to convert down funnel. And by adding in company score, we were able to start to increase that conversion rates at the top of the funnel because we were um, deprioritizing, I'll say, leads who were coming in who had a very low company score. And it might be an individual that belonged to an organization that was a small business or the wrong industry or so on. It didn't always disqualify people, but uh, you had to work a lot harder to become a qualified lead if you were a, a low company score. So this was a good start to it. And um, again, back to, he talked about it as potential this morning. I talked about it as propensity. It was which organizations have the highest propensity to buy. 
So that was something that worked really well for us. And we used a combination of inputs from sales, marketing, and what the data said. And we were smart about it, right? We didn't say, well, one trumps the other. We looked at it all in, in together and made some smart decisions about how we score organizations. And then we used that to create our target account list. And we ran all of the accounts in our system through the scoring model and looked at, okay, who bubbles up to the top level? It was about a zero to 12 scoring model. And it was, you know, anybody above an eight was kind of our first shot, right? At looking at these are the accounts most likely to convert. And, um, you know, this was, again, a good start. We created our list. We had our list of about 200 accounts that we wanted to focus on. And we ran a series of programs that were designed around a lot of the things we talk about here of engaging an account in a broad way through multiple omni-channel places to build their interest and demand in us. And I know you can't really see what's on the screen here. This is an example of a campaign that we did and we would tweak it for each organization. This was for Motorola Solutions, was one of our target accounts at the time. And actually, again, similar to Jeff's experience this morning, we actually built out some custom landing pages as part of this. For us, it was creating what was called a video hub because we're a video company. And so we linked to a number of their online videos and showed them this is what the experience could look like if your videos were inside one of our hubs and we can give you all this great data. And then we drove people to that landing page through very targeted ads. You'll see some of our ads, we actually had their names in it. So Motorola Solutions, blah, blah, blah. Um, We had very targeted emails. We did blog posts that brought that company into it. That actually worked really well. So we had a blog post talking about one of their videos that we thought was particularly good. And we used it as an example of a great video in the B2B space. That got their attention and actually got a bunch of leads in for us from their marketing team. And then we also sent them physical cards, physical uh, postcards, that weren't as good as Joe Chernoff's that I saw this morning because, I'll mention this, but it was a really aggressive call to action. What we did here was we invited people to come to this page and also to join an orientation session to learn about what we do. And um, it all seemed great in concept, hitting them with targeted ads, building out a targeted landing page, you know, flattering them in our blog, hitting them with some direct mail. And we did get some good responses from this. We didn't see great productivity from it, and I'll talk about why. And we had a number of organizations who, again, felt that there was a lot of overkill here, and we were hitting people who had no awareness of our brand and weren't yet warmed up to what we do. And so they took offense. And this was where our postcard inviting them to orientation sessions, this was part of my cease and desist story, where one organization said, stop inviting my employees to this fake orientation session. We are not buying your product. And it was really just a reason to get them on a demo session, really, right? And we did end up turning them into a demo about two months later after we got their attention. So there was a bit of a success out of it. But it was through how we kind of recovered and brought them into the story of our business in a more relevant way. But what we learned from this, again, there were some good highlights from it, but the big lessons learned of takeaways, one of the issues here was the offers and the calls to action, I'm sure many of you resonate with this, were all very centered around what we wanted to say to them, right? We wanted them to come to our orientation session. We wanted to show them what their videos would look like in our hub. And they weren't relevant. And we got a lot of that feedback from ones we did get in contact with. They were like, this all sounds great, but I just, I still don't get how it applies to what I'm trying to do right now as a business. And so we didn't take the time to really learn what their interests or intent were or how it might merge with their business. And it was very marketing centric. We didn't have people digging into the company and learning more about the business at the top end. Um, We had limited retargeting, or we were limited to just retargeting people we were already hitting. And so we didn't see great success there. And we were not yet using products like Terminus to go out and hit broader people through more advertising. And um, the other thing that we realized looking back on it was that the accounts we were targeting were based on the scoring model that seemed good on paper, but they weren't the people who necessarily had intent to buy right now, right? They were companies who, all other things being equal, should be perfect fit for our business. 
But what we didn't do is look at indicators of their intent in the market. Are they doing things with video? Are they going to be ready to buy us? Is it the right timing for them as an organization? And those were things that we kind of realized after the fact. And, and we were very inefficient in this. And we didn't close many of these you know, opportunities, I think, because of we didn't recognize some of these things early on. So we revisited our attack plan, and I think, again, learned from some things that went well and, um, and augmented it with some things a little bit differently. And, and these were kind of the four key things we focused on as we did this next phase of programs. And, and one was reach, and how do we hit more people in organizations, not just the same 10 people who are in our database that we've already been hitting. And that's where looking at tools like Terminus and others to find individuals in those organizations that we can advertise to and build brand awareness with. How do we scale in an automated way through technology? Because those were very manual projects. Um, how do we increase relevance and then drive engagement? And that was the biggest thing. And I want you to think about that as you're doing your ABM programs is how are you building them to create engagement with these audiences? True, like, engagement. Right? Like we all talk about it, but think about it. Like, are you doing things that are going to get somebody to actually want to spend time learning about you? You know, they don't want to spend time talking to a sales rep, right? They don't want to read ads. And so what can you do to make them genuinely want to learn more about your business and converse with you? And are you hitting people who are going to want to do that? So as we went into phase two of this, or the second realm of our own ABM strategies, this is kind of how it played out and, and the, the kind of programs that we're running now today and, and starting to see increasing success with. So the first on the account identification stage, we took all that information we had from that first phase of, of firmographic data, of company size, those sorts of things. But then what we did, um, and this has been really interesting, and I'm not sure if, uh, how many of you are doing this, but we started to augment that with intent data and account level activity data. And this was information to then help us know of these 500 companies who look like they're the right fit, which ones are actively looking for solutions like ours in the market. There's a lot of different you know, predictive analytics companies out there who can help with this. Um, they can show you which companies are actually actively engaging with you, and those are the ones you should prioritize. We use companies like the Big Willow who monitor intent data on the web, and they'll tell us last week, you know, there was 30 people from this company were reading articles about video marketing, and we'll go, great. And we feed that into the company score, that'll boost their score up, and that may trigger a point in which they could become a company we're going to target with an ABM program. We look at job hiring. So we use Wanted Analytics, where we'll see companies who have posted recent job postings for a video producer or something like that. And then, of course, we use you know, Salesforce and Hoobers and pull in a lot of other data that we can find. So there's a lot of interesting things you can do. And in your business, think about this. Like, what are those intent indicators? Another one for us, which we just hacked ourselves because there was no good third-party solution, was the number of videos they've been uploading to their YouTube channels, right? It's like, if you can figure out how to write a script that hits YouTube, figures out their list, pulls the number, and we update that in an automated way. So we can actually trigger to the sales team, this company added you know, more than 50 videos to their YouTube channel last month. That's going to bump them up into that top tier of, of high propensity accounts that we're now going to focus on. And now when we go to pitch them an ABM program and set up an orientation session, we have very timely, relevant information. We'll go to them and say, we'll actually record a quick video that says, hey, we noticed you added 50 new videos to your YouTube channel last month. Do you know how those videos are performing? Do you know who watched those? Or are those leads that are just slipping through the cracks? Right? And that's working a lot better because now they're like, oh, yeah, you're, oh, yeah, right. And so those are the accounts we now start to focus on. So I love this idea, and it's, it's not as easy as, and, and, and any of you who practice this know it's not just as easy as, oh, great, we get all this intent data, and suddenly everything works. you got to think about it. you got to work on it. you got to refine it. But it's a very interesting idea, and I think where a lot of things are going with respect to account identification and account targeting. So put that in your mind and keep that idea of using intent data and, and some of that to help you identify the accounts you should be focused on. So once we've identified the accounts, so we 
figure out who we're going to target in those. We have our existing contacts. We do automated contact acquisition. So if a company bubbles up because their company score hits a certain level, their intent score hits a level, we then have processes to automate contact acquisition. So we have more people at that organization. We'll use Social123, KiteDesk, and a number of others, D&B. And then um, we currently then use Terminus to start to warm all these people up with display ads, right? So they're able to hit our contact database and people we know, but they're also able to serve ads to unknown contacts at these organizations. And that's part of that reach story. And it is a very important part of finding individuals at these companies. And, and you can always set filters around. It's not just anybody at that company. We want people in marketing roles, things like that. So that's a great starting point for anybody who then moves into, they've crossed that trigger, they're in an ABM program, they start getting hit with these um, top level ads. Now, once we can turn some of those people into known contacts, and we also then use Terminus to start to track, right? And this is where you start to see reach and impressions of, are you actually hitting people at these organizations at what scale and what volume? And, and that can now be a feedback loop. So you know, okay, more people that you're hitting and activating, those are the ones that are gonna bubble up. And eventually from this, you've got this you know, funnel of targeted accounts you started with, which whittled down to here are the ones who are really active in the market, here are the ones responding to the first level of advertising, and you end up, maybe you went from 50 down to now five, that are the highest likelihood and that you can go and focus your sales team on. So now once we do that, we know who we want to focus on. We hit them with very targeted, very relevant, very engaging programs. And this is where the make them want to do business with you comes into play. So we complement the advertising now with, in our business, we use a lot of video, not surprisingly. And one of the things that's been most successful for us is personalized video content and custom videos from our sales and SDR team. So this is like the marketing sales one-two punch of using engaging video content to get people to want to come in and talk to you. So this first one here, I'm going to show you an example of personalized video. And, and what's cool here is, is we've gotten to the point in our organization where we can automate this. And we know if somebody goes into an ABM campaign, here's the contact. His name is Eric Spett, because we're targeting Terminus um, as a potential customer. And so Eric Spett gets this automated uh, video sent to him through email. And of course he clicks on it because he sees his name in the thumbnail image. And you know, he's like, oh my God, I'm in the video, this is amazing. And as you watch it through, there's some great content here. And we see incredibly high open rates on these kinds of videos because we're inherently, as people, we are um, very self-centered. We love to see our own names, and that's why really personalized content works. So we start to hit people with that, right? But we make sure that video is engaging and it's a story, right? It's not like, come buy our product, and it's not product features. That's a really strong first hit. And again, I know, you know we're a video company, so I'm going to be biased. But it, we genuinely, we really see this working. And using video as a touch point to get more attention in an organization works so, so well. And what's nice about video, it's not the only way, right? You want to hit them with other things. But by using video, you can also establish a more emotional connection to the brand, right? It's so much more human. And that's where even cold leads, you can start to get that initial affiliation to your brand much better. The second thing we do is then a sales rep, and because this is a high propensity account, then records a really quick custom video that they send directly to that organization. And this is really simple to do, and I'm still you know, surprised at how many people aren't doing it because it's so quick and simple, especially with this younger generation of like sales reps and SDRs. You're like, hey, can you, and yeah, I got video, I got it, right? And they just go record, they do a quick edit, and it's really, really simple, but there's tools you can use to make it easy in your business. But here's an example. So um, LucidWorks is one that would go into the program, and this is a really quick example of the video that a rep recorded for them. This was just a couple weeks ago. I just pulled it live from our system. Hey, LucidWorks. My name's Nicole, and I'm a B2B video specialist at Video. 
By going to your website and YouTube channel, it's clear that you see the power of investing in video. But I fear that you're missing the ability to fully leverage this engaging content for both marketing and sales purposes. Typically- So what's really cool here is again, when they send this email, the person sees the thumbnail image of their own company's website in it, and the video is them talking about their website and ways that we could help them do better with video on their site. Now, this may not apply to all of you because there may not be a way to do screen captures of things, but there's really simple ways to get you know, reps to use content like this to be really personal and targeted. And in this case, this individual knows that obviously we took the time to actually look and learn about their business, right? We don't do this for everybody, right? This is a little bit of manual work. But an SDR in our company can produce that literally in five minutes. They've got a script, right? And it's the same. So some of you may get some of these, and it'll be the same script, right, generally. But they'll tweak some things based on what they see on your site. And so it's a very effective way. This was actually a genuine quote that got forwarded back to me where somebody responded saying, impressive pitch. I must say this was one of the best prospecting emails I've received. I'd like to learn more. And it was one of those feel-good moments for our team. But we see a lot of this where people are responding to these messages. But those are the kinds of things where you're personal, you're genuine, you're creating content in an emotional way that's going to connect with these people that I really believe make them want to do business with your organization, as opposed to the same old ebook or white paper that you're sending out. If that doesn't work, then we start sending out uh, physical cards with uh, videos in them. This is one that we're uh, going to start kicking off more of this year. I don't know if you guys have seen these. These are like these physical cards that have screens in them. You can load videos, mail them out. It's like a postcard on steroids. Um, you can upload videos onto these. So they get it, they open it up, a video plays. You can have multiple videos. Um, again, just a really cool way to engage somebody in a different way with a different medium in a way that, again, you have an opportunity to really show yourself. And if, again, you do more personal videos, you've got your CEO on camera here talking just genuinely one-to-one, -one, like, hey, we really think we can help your business. These things are really, really important. And finally, if that doesn't work, we send them a selfie toaster. I mean, what's more personal than a toaster with the person's imprint? I don't know. How, has anybody here not seen the selfie toaster? Oh, jeez. They're not doing a good enough marketing job. Selfie toaster, just Google it. Seriously. Okay. So, Here's another example that I wanted to pull from uh, one of our friends at uh, Bulldog Solutions. It was a great agency partner of ours. Um, this was a really cool campaign that I was really excited about. They presented this at Serious Decisions recently as an account-based campaign, which is another example of how they've used video and kind of engaging content to really build a relationship with a targeted account. This was a fun one where, kind of like those video cards, this took it then one step further. This was actually a tablet that they produced, this custom um, video experience. They actually shipped the tablet, and, and this was like key decision makers, right? So it's like your top 20 accounts or top 50 accounts, and it was the CTO, right? And it was these people where if I can get one of these people to engage in this and get them into a sales opportunity, it like, you know, pays for the year. And so it was, you know, high cost, but high return if they can just get one or two more people to pay attention. And this was this custom tablet that they'd ship to them, really fun little packaging around it, but you open it and it's got the like click here button. And when you click on it, it launches a video. It's all you can do on it. You can't go and surf the web. It launches a video and it's this, it's this like CIA secret mission thing. Um, and it's this really fun video where they go, okay, you, you know, your mission is A, B, and C. Really, really funny and really engaging. And again, they're very personal. They actually Actually kind of customized it for each company where they bring that company's name and kind of tweak the video for each one. And at the end of the video, it's this, you know, do you accept your mission? And they've got multiple options. They can say, yes, okay, I accept. I'll take a call with your sales rep. You know, basically, let's call it out. This is a recruitment tactic. Or, you know, not ready yet, but thanks and, and let, you know, follow up later. Or no thanks, but I'm keeping the tablet. Or no thanks, and I'll send you back the tablet. 
And which is actually really fun. I think that was a really kind of neat way to even end the experience where it was like people are thinking about, oh, you know what? Yeah, okay, I'm going to keep the tablet. Thanks very much, guys. Or, you know, I'll take the time to send it back. But the way that this could get attention with people is really, really exciting. And so, again, I just want to inspire you guys with ways to think about how you do these programs in, in new and creative ways because you got to stand out. We all know this, right? You got to stand out and the same old email blast crap isn't going to work. Um, you need to think about ways. And a lot of these new buyers, new media tactics are required and ways to engage with them more emotionally with things like video are really, really critical. So I think that's the key of what I wanted to talk about. I'm going to skip this part. Well, I'll just kind of summarize the automation piece in one quick overview is one of the reasons I'm so excited about ABM now is the ability to automate and scale these programs without having to grow your team in a linear fashion. Right? And so we use tools that now, I talked about this earlier, of we use the data in Salesforce and we use the data in Marketo to automate some of that scoring and trigger somebody moving into a campaign. But also with uh, what we do with Terminus is it's now just not a top 200 campaign, right? We'll do account-based campaigns for different programs we're running. So we did a competitive campaign, for example, and we say, okay, we want to go out and one of our competitors just did something stupid. So we want to go out and highlight it and see if we can use that as a chance to convert some of their customers. And you think, okay, we got to do all this great work. Well, no, literally in like Terminus, we go in and we set the filters and say, if company score equals this and competitor used equals this, because we track that in Salesforce, go right? And it will start serving ads to those people, everybody related to them and their business. And we can start warming those people up. And then the next week, they're going to get a personalized video. And then they're going to get a note from our sales team. And those who respond are going to get a selfie toaster. So it's you know, really cool the way that we can start to automate these things. And it's not all roses. It's not all, you know this, right? It's not as easy as just plug and play and everything works. You got to be thoughtful about it and build a strategy around it. But don't forget about the art part of ABM as you get lost in the science of how to optimize and tweak. Don't forget about the importance of the creative, building engaging experiences and building campaigns in a thoughtful way to get people to actually want to come and do business with your company because they're people too, right? Even though we talk about accounts, they're people, they're humans, um, and try to connect with them on a better level. So my few key takeaways here, thanks for hanging in with me, is you know, really think about creating programs that are relevant and personalized, that speak to pain points at the organizations and focus on those that you believe not only are the right fit, but are the right time. And there's lots of different inputs you can look at to do that. But focus on those ones that you can build a very relevant and contextual experience around. Think about engagement. And don't just create ABM programs. Create engagement programs for these customers that really get them to want to lean into an experience. And make sure it's an experience that's tied between marketing and sales as an integrated program. That's worked really well for us when getting that multi-hit from marketing and direct sales outreach with a consistent experience and message. And of course, leverage the right technology to scale these programs. So... With that, uh, I'm going to wrap my portion of the session, and I think we've got a few minutes for Q&A, so I just want to leave uh, a couple of minutes for you guys to ask questions, and then if you don't get a chance to ask, I'll float around, or you can come see me at the Vidyard booth to learn more about what we do, or ask any other questions you got about how we do some of these things. Anybody got a question? Okay. Yes. Um, what did you hear, how you organize your omni-channel marketing? Do you do it all just through Terminus, or do you have a system that you think is the most useful track it and kind of understand where you are. Yeah, um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. And I think for us, it is a bit of an arsenal of, of tools. You know, so Terminus plays a key role on the, the advertising side of the house for those programs. Um, you know, we use Marketo as a core for managing the performance of a lot of the direct campaigns and inbound campaigns and things like that. Uh, we use Full Circle Insights for looking at um, attribution reporting of different campaigns. 
um, both inbound and outbound campaigns. So there's a variety of tools that uh, we use. I, I'd say for us, there isn't kind of one master tool to rule them all, um, and they each have their own role. And we try to roll those into central dashboards, but that's still not as easy as we'd like. And, and so, you know, there are still a few different dashboards we need to look at to look at those different programs. Yes. So how's our team resource and how do we split our time between actually executing and looking at data and all those things? <laughs> One big thing I'll note, so we have a separate revenue operations team from our marketing team and our revenue operations team manages, they do the marketing ops, sales ops, and kind of a broader stretch of things. That organization runs a lot of those reporting tools that I talked about. They live and breathe Marketo, Full Circle, Terminus, these tools. And so they're responsible day in and day out for looking at the data and helping report on performance across the funnel, um, which is really, really great. And so they're not just marketing ops, they're also sales ops. And so they look across all the systems and pull those kinds of highlights. So that's been a real win for our business. And if there's one other takeaway, think about doing a revenue ops team that sits outside of sales and marketing and is then an unbiased bystander as well. Because I love when they come and tell me, you just did something stupid and this campaign was a flop. And I go, great, okay, I'll go and fix it. As opposed to the marketing ops person who's like, uh, but, uh, no, it's great, it's great, don't worry, you're good. So, and then in, in terms of our own team, we have a demand gen team that focuses on a lot of these programs and they work closely with the ops team, obviously, but uh, a few folks there who focus on those programs, of course. And uh, I don't know how we split our time across everything. We spend 100% of our time on execution and 100% of our time on planning and 100% of our time on reporting. <laughs> like all of you. Awesome. And then we find time to sleep. Yes, one more question. Yeah, so the question is around the company scoring. How do we get the data? Where do we store it? Kind of how do we use it? And our central hub for all of our company scoring is in Salesforce. So that's where the accounts live. And again, as a marketing organization, having that RevOps team where we're not like religious about it's got to be Marketo or over here. So all that data lives in Salesforce and that's where all of our account data lives. We've added fields for all of those other things like number of videos and competitor and those kinds of things that we know we want to track. And then the data inputs to that are, you know, it's a mix of so many different things, right? We have some third-party tools that are integrated into Salesforce that auto update some of those fields, things like the video counts. Um, one of our ops guys figured out how to write a script to scrape YouTube, pull the data and update it, and he, it updates periodically. So some of it was our own hacks and some of it are third parties. And then all of the reporting um, you know, comes out of Salesforce and then Full Circle sits on top of that to augment that reporting out of Salesforce. But it is key to have those all stitched together because account-based reporting doesn't work if you're siloed between marketing and sales and you're dead in the water. Awesome. So. All right. Thank you, everybody. Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world. Join the movement at flipmyfunnel.com. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.